Hello. <laughs> Hello. How's it How going? You doing? Oh, well, I'm doing pretty good. I was going to say, I got my question in first. Yeah, you did. So I have to answer. I am doing okay. I'm tired. We got to bed quite late last night and I had a tough time dragging myself out of bed this morning and I've been kind of running around. We're going on vacation in a couple of days and so I'm trying to get everything covered and uh, it was just a busy day of trying to make sure everything's done so that I can walk away and not have to think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. My oldest son is, you know, home for the holidays, as we've talked about. We are still in December as we are recording, but not necessarily as it is coming out on the podcast. And so he is home and we got to spend the whole day together. I had just a few hours of overtime and he came along with me and we took some calls together and I kind of showed him the operation. He's been there before, but there's always so much more to teach and show and experience. So, so yeah, he came and then we did a little bit of shopping and it was great to just spend the whole day together. So I'm feeling good. Nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah. what's on your mind this week? What are you calling for? Well, I'm Why calling the heck to are you, to you calling me. Yeah. <laughs> I never do such a thing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, do you have a specific reason for calling me today? What's on your mind? I will invent a specific reason. How's that? There you go. So, yeah, I recently finished up a paper at school, and it was one of the final things that I did for my semester. And the professor, after turning it in, said, this is a great introduction. And that's all really the paper needed to be. This is a great introduction on this topic, but you're just scratching the surface. There's so many other avenues to pursue. And so I'd love to kind of bat that around with you a bit. So the, my paper was on the role of the body in spiritual formation. And I kind of laid out a theological case for the fact that we are embodied creatures that our embodiment is a good thing, a God-created thing. I drew on some implications of the incarnation, which we recorded an episode on a couple of weeks ago, and that was so much fun. Mm. And so many of the different biblical texts that point to the fact that we have a body, we are meant to use it, we're meant to engage spiritually as integrated but embodied creatures. So that was the paper but there are so many other facets to explore about our relationship with our body, our use of our body, and the way our bodies impact our spirit and the way our spirit impacts our bodies and so many different things. I would love to just kind of kick this around for a bit. How do you feel about that? That's fascinating to me. You know, when I think about this, I find myself thinking about two things. Number one, I find myself thinking about the fact that in my worst moments when I am deeply reductionistic about spiritual growth and maturity, read my Bible and pray every day, right? That doesn't take into account everything that matters about me and everything about who I am. 
I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned the incarnation because I've been thinking about that episode a lot lately too. And I'm really just captivated by the fact that, you know, one thing that hasn't changed between weeks ago when we recorded that episode and just the other day when I was re-listening to it is that Jesus is still in a body. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, he, he got one and he's still in it. And if that doesn't fundamentally declare the physical good, I don't know what does. But let's yes. juxtapose that with the fact that my body personally is a bit on the wonky side. If I run wrong, my knee hurts. I'm prone to tendinitis. I have to take medication to stay focused because my brain wiring isn't quite what it needs to be. I am weighing a little more than I used to. My hair does not grow at the rate that I want it to. There are just a lot of very physical things happening to me. And boy, juxtaposing the fact that Jesus signed up for one of these things and mine drives me crazy really does leave me thinking this is an interesting topic. <laughs> uh, that is funny. I didn't even think about the fact that my body also drives me crazy. I have, maybe you have the same thing. Maybe this is a human thing, or maybe I'm just weird. But here's a personal tidbit, which Josh could say this is about, <laughs> about himself. Uh, if I lay in bed on my left side, there is some layer of skin just under my arm that pinches all goofy and it drives me up a wall. I literally have to roll over for no other reason than I don't want that flap of skin just under my armpit to fold over on itself and irritate me. So yes, my body irritates me as well. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I am very physically tactilely sensitive one of the things my wife teases me about is that when we got married, there was a rip in the back of almost every shirt I owned. And it's because the tag would randomly start to bother me in the middle of a day. And when it started to bother me, it would bother me so much that I couldn't wait to take the shirt off. I would just reach back and rip the tag off the shirt and inevitably rip the shirt in doing it. And I vastly preferred having a ripped shirt to that tickling feeling of the tag of the shirt poking at me all the time because that just bugged me. Yeah. Uh, we have incredibly sensitive machines that we live in. And I think you raised the question of what is the relationship between that and spiritual formation. And I just, I think it's an interesting question. Uh, and, and it's, I want to ground it in the weirdness and the messiness of the body, perhaps to push away from the theoretical a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it does make the concept much, much more challenging to reconcile the oddities or even the irritations of our bodies with something so, I don't know, seemingly serene and put together and proper like 
spiritual formation. You know, you and I use this statement a lot offline. I don't know how much it's come onto the podcast, but growth is never linear. Mm-hmm. Growth is never clean and easy and just this perfect line graph, right? You're up and down and all over the place, just like our relationship with our bodies. It's never like all of the stars out there who are perfectly coiffed and makeuped and dressed to the nines and all the different things. This is such a false image of our lives and even of their lives, right? Um, mm-hmm. They still have to shower. They still get stinky feet. They still have to brush their teeth. They, you know, all the different things about being an embodied creature. But I don't know. So when you when you marry it to the idea of spiritual formation, at the same time, I think it elevates the role of the body and humanizes spiritual formation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was on a very concrete level as I think about the intersection of these two things. Think about the last time you got sick. Hmm. I know I work super hard and I've been working for years to be disciplined about spending time on with God on a regular basis. And yet, every time I'm sick, my time with God tanks. It's just awful. Hmm. And... Sometimes that's because I can't get out of bed. Sometimes that's because something about my body being sick stunts my my willpower. Sometimes it's because I spend time with God and the whole time I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know. And to all of our listeners using headphones right now, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I hadn't even thought about that. But. But it's gross, right? Like, that's the point. Like, hi, Jesus, this is me in my mucus waterfall. How are you? But here's here's the thing. As you're talking about this, it's it's funny to me. You're you're saying, I've worked really hard to cultivate this discipline of spending time with God every day and all of these things. I think the same is true about our relationship with our wives, right? We have cultivated making time with our wives a priority. And we both run very busy lives. And so it's not as though every day is the most amazing connection time, but we prioritize connection time. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, when I'm sick, me personally, if I'm sick, I sleep and lay in bed until I'm better. I don't really do anything else. Sometimes I'll get up and I'll zone out in front of the TV, but it's only for a while. And then I'm back to sleep. I'm not thinking to myself, never have I thought to myself at the end of being sick, oh man, I didn't get a lot of good time with Shelly this week. I really am failing in my discipline of marriage. <laughs> I I think I have, except it comes out this way. In my head, it comes across as, man, I am such a whiner. I'm so sorry you had to endure that. <laughs> but I appreciate your point. And your point may highlight the fact that even when I'm thinking about my body, I am divorcing myself from my physical state and not allowing my own expectations to be 
arising naturally from my own physical state. Yeah. Well, and even, I think we've talked about this before, but the idea of not praying from where you think you ought to be, but praying from where you are. And if I am injured, or if I am sick, and if I am going to communicate to God, sometimes that the only thing I'm going to say is, I feel awful, or just, I need you to meet me here, or I need you to be with me, or something, or maybe nothing, because there's a lot of humans in this world that I do not interact with when I'm sick or I'm injured. So what I'm hearing you say is that if I'm sick, it's okay to call God and say, I don't want to talk to him because I don't want to infect him. (laughs) Or... Or you do your quiet time in a mask, right? That's Yeah, oh, there you go. Yes, okay. No, but I, I think your point is well taken. I, I think even beyond just I'm sick, just ugh, is an okay prayer sometimes. Yeah. Just, ugh. yep, I am just leaving us with all sorts of lovely noises today, huh? <laughs> don't, don't worry, everybody took their headphones off a while ago. Fair point, fair point. So I want to ask you this, then, that takes it into the very earthy reality. But let's say on a normal day, when you're neither sick nor injured, you're just kind of having an average day. How should we understand the relationship? How do you understand the relationship between body, soul, mind, emotions, all of these related parts when it comes to spiritual formation? Man, well, this is an off-the-cuff answer that is really, honestly, very, uh, not raw exactly, but very immediate or current to what I'm, how I'm growing in the moment. So it's, it's far more anecdotal than analytical. But when I think about that intersection, what comes to mind the most for me is the fact that because of the way I'm wired, my body is like a spring. And any activity that I'm doing is either tightening the spring or letting the spring untighten a little bit. Mm. And tension, which is what you put on a spring, is the perfect word for this. Because throughout each day, I begin to carry more and more tension in my body. And that tension is the intersection between my emotional state and physical state. And I don't necessarily notice that. But if I stop long enough, I will catch it and it's quite unpleasant. I don't enjoy the feeling. But one of the things I've noticed is that if I allow the spring to be tightened beyond a certain point in my life, I am far less likely to be obedient to God. I am far less likely to experience connectedness with God. I'm far less likely to react to the natural things that come up in life in a way that I think is reflective of God's love for me or the world. And I can, in those moments of tension, 
where the spring is wound a little bit too tight. I can try to gut it out and try to do the Christian thing, and that winds the spring tighter. And instead of responding more naturally as a follower of Jesus, it tends to result in the opposite. I will be more impatient, more rude, less loving, less gentle, less kind. And so for me, that is the place, those three areas, the body, the the heart, and the soul have been intersecting lately. Does that make any sense? I don't know that I've ever tried to verbalize all of that before. It makes sense to me. And let me take a stab. Let me make an assumption based on what you based on what you just said. I assume that the tension that builds in you, I think you said that that tension lives in your body. Absolutely. And so therefore I assume that the release of that tension is a bodily experience that in order to be able to focus emotionally, spiritually, whatever, that you need to do something with your body. There needs to be a physical release of that tension. If my assumption is correct, how do you do that? Man, it's interesting. There's almost two layers of this for me. You know how the mind has two levels of memory? There's short-term memory and long-term memory. Yeah. I think my body has short-term tension and long-term tension. And I have to relieve both of them. (laughs) Yeah. So if I am in a state that generally my long-term tension is at a manageable state, then I can take a few minutes. I can do a headspace meditation. I can read the Psalms for a couple of minutes. Whatever I have to do to slow myself down, and that handles it. And then I can be more mindful about picking up the tension. So this involves things like I have to physically choose to walk slowly. I have to physically choose to move slowly. But if my long-term tension is high, I probably need a full day, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, maybe five of downtime where I am largely responsibility-free before I can get back to a sort of stasis point that is okay? That's a great question. Does that, am I beginning to answer it? Does that sound right? Well, I mean, it was such an individualized question. So you get to be the judge of whether or not you're answering it. (laughs) I didn't Uh, like my, is that or is that right? Once I said it, but again, I guess I'm just trying not to repeat the sentence, the question, does that make sense over and over again? But (laughs) I'm curious if the words coming out of my mouth don't sound like, you know, uh, Chinese or something. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll check the podcast stats later. And if everybody turned off the podcast about three minutes ago, we'll It'll have be proof that I really can speak in tongues. <laughs> um, 
Well, so here's what something I'm curious about. You have made running a long-term priority in your life. You have run a number of miles over the 20 or so years that you've been running. Is running at all related to this? Do you know, stop me if I've said this on the podcast or to you before, but so my therapist and I have been talking a lot about this lately. I feel like running is such a normal part of my physical life. I miss out on a lot of the benefits of it. And lately, I've actually been doing a lot of trail biking, and biking has helped me in a way that running has not been because it's new, fresh, and different. Mm-hmm. And again, this hits the physicality of who we are. Sometimes you just need to change things up to change things up because routines are not routines aren't the end. They are a means. And as I change... Sometimes I need to change what I do. It took my therapist two, maybe three sessions to gently guide me to the point where I was willing to say, yeah, maybe I can let go of running a little bit and try some other things. The physical effort wasn't impacting my emotional well-being or my spiritual well-being until I changed something. That's super fascinating. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Uh, so that's that's genuinely where I'm at with all of this body soul connection right now. But what about you? Well, one of the things that I was trying to really focus on for my paper, because here's what I'm kind of irritated by in the literature. Whenever people talk about the body, anytime the body is mentioned in spiritual formation, by and large, one of two things happens. Either one, we talk about all of the sin that takes residence in our body, and we think about Paul's words about the flesh and the sinfulness of the flesh, which is fascinating because he uses a different Greek word. He uses sarks to talk about the flesh, whereas soma is the Greek word for the body, like our physical members. And so these are actually different things. But either way, we conflate the two, and we think about the body as somehow bad because sin has dwelled in our bodies. And so there's this idea of pitting spirituality against the body that tends to happen. Or We start with saying, okay, the body is good, and we need to use our bodies in spiritual formation. And then before we know it, imperceptibly, but very definitively, the conversation shifts to spiritual language only. And we have suddenly lost any talk about our bodies even though ostensibly the chapter itself or the topic itself was about how we use our bodies. And it's amazing that even the author themselves does not notice the shift that, yes, the body is good, it is valuable in spiritual formation, and now we're just going to talk about spiritual formation. And we, we completely stop talking about the body. So my question to myself, I'm really trying to wrestle through, is 
What is the positive role of the body in spiritual formation? We were given a body. We didn't have to be given a body. We could have been disembodied souls, but we weren't. I mean, even before the fall, we weren't. And then Jesus took on a body. And so there is something essentially good about being in a body and essentially useful for spiritual formation. So I've been trying to focus solely on the generic good of a bodily existence. So what does this mean in terms of how I posture myself in prayer? What does this mean in terms of eating right and exercising and those types of things? What does it mean for, I don't know who listens to podcasts where and if children are present. So what does it mean for marital intimacy, right? All of these ways that our bodies get used, what does it mean for just like eating and drinking and getting enough sleep and brushing our teeth and taking a shower? And I don't know. I don't have good answers, but this is where my brain is at. Like all of this must be related to spiritual formation in a positive way, not just sin taking up residence in our bodies. No, our bodies are good and they're useful. So for what and why? So good. Can I tell you a funny story about this? Yeah, go for it. So this happened years ago. I don't know that I've actually ever told you this. So five, six, maybe even seven years ago, I really wanted to experiment with this. And I decided I was going to kneel to pray on a consistent basis every day. And my office at the time had these gorgeous windows that were just the right height to kneel at. And so I could pray looking out over the streets of my city and it was beautiful. And I bought this kneeling pad and I spent about a week, maybe two weeks kneeling to pray every day. And then I got this horrible case of tendonitis. (laughs) that ruined my running for six months and I couldn't kneel at all. And that's the last time I've kneeled to pray because Uh. I, I mean, again, the, the intersection of the body and the, and the, and the spiritual life. Right. But I think in all honesty, as I wrestle with your question, I wonder if, the problem is in the framework we're thinking about the question in. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of authors that I have read about this, and you've read more recently and more academically than I have on this topic, they almost attempt to pause looking at the spiritual life in order to look at the body. And then they end up, as you said, kind of coming back to the spiritual life and thereby abandoning the body And even when they shift over to think about the body, they continue to treat it like it's two separate things. I wonder the degree to which we just have to look at ourselves as beings and to distinguish, is this the spiritual part of me, the physical part of me, the emotional part of me, the mental part of me, which is a very modern Greek sort of thing to do, right? Like, let's classify. Let's analyze. 
Yeah, I totally agree. We need to think of ourselves as fully integrated creatures. And one of the things I was thinking about in relation to your story of kneeling, I think that perfectly captures the idea of the body and spirituality. We somehow come to a moment, whether it's kneeling or doing something else, that we say, that is the way that we need to physically engage to meet with God. And so that's what I'm going to do. And in reality, we just have to bring our whole selves to God, regardless of the form. And so forgive the analogy, if you will, because I think about not every marital moment is the same. If there's been something lacking for you guys, you might find yourselves in a moment saying, I really need this out of our time together. And it takes on the form that it needs to for that moment. I think the same would be true in our physical response to God. Today, where I'm at spiritually, I need to bow. I need to bow in my prayer. That's what my body needs to do here in this moment to engage properly with God. Or there's another time, maybe all that tension has wound up in your soul and you need to work some things out with God. And maybe the best posture you can use in prayer is to run or bike or whatever it is. And you really physically work out that tension and you spiritually work out that tension all with God. I think bringing our whole selves to whatever the moment is, is appropriate. Now, these are extremes. I don't think that every day we have some extreme need to do something physically to engage with God. I think on a general basis, sitting in your favorite chair with your favorite Bible and your favorite drink is quite appropriate. But it's the openness to varying that and physically varying that to accord with whatever whatever's going on spiritually. You know, and, and this shout out to my wife in a conversation we were having recently here. One of the things that Kristen is very good at is being present in her own body, mind, and heart and just going about her business in a way that is natural to who she is and where she's at, whether that is tired or not tired, happy or not happy, she's just going about her business and she engages with herself very naturally. And that allows her to be one of the most productive people I've ever met because mm. she's just always kind of doing whatever feels natural without having to do the extra effort of, over trying. Hmm. And I think that that's a piece of what you're hitting on is maybe we should just stop over trying, <laughs> you know, and, and for neither of us is this a comfortable thought, I think, but maybe we should just stop over trying and just sort of let it happen and it'll be fine. Yes. With the caveat, because I think that because it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I think that people like Kristen are unique in that way. I don't think we as a society or we as a church are generally as well integrated as you just described. 
And I don't think we're as comfortable bringing our bodies into our spiritual walk. I don't think that integration has happened very well. And so, granted, we might need to try less, but I also think we might need to approach this in new ways, which does Mm. mean, quote-unquote, trying something new. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in high school, we had to memorize a definition of meditation. And that definition, which has stuck with me for almost 30 years, is paying attention in a relaxed way. Mm. I think what you're talking about is trying in a relaxed way. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think you're right. Trying without grit, without gritting my teeth, without making the whole world or my entire spiritual life ride on this moment, without pressure, just giving it a shot. Yes. Man, well, I want to turn to the audience and say thank you for sticking with us despite any noises that may have come through your headphones, despite a brand new topic. Uh, But we love hearing from you. I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for engaging these topics with us. So uh, we would love to invite you to join us on Facebook, on Instagram, just search for On the Phone with Josh. We would love to hear your thoughts on what is your relationship to your own body? How integrated do you feel? And how have you integrated your body into your spiritual growth and your spiritual practices? What areas? There's so many areas that we have not touched on, so many different facets of this. And if you're spinning off on this in a different direction, we would love to hear about that. There are so many different ways to apply this. So please join the conversation on the phone with Josh. We can't wait to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, stepping aside from this one particular thing, I'm curious to hear what else you've been thinking about this week. Are there other thoughts that are on your mind? Yeah, so I think we mentioned early on that Technically, as we're recording this, we are still in the Christmas season. And so though this is going to come out in January, I do want to bring up this Christmas thought. This was so fascinating. One of our former professors on Facebook is debunking Christmas myths about the Bible. And another one of our former professors commented on that and said, yeah, there's another piece of his scholarship that I'd like to speak on and whatever. So very great conversation happening on Facebook. But through that, I learned the following. In an honor-shame society such as Mary and Joseph's, such as first century Palestine, when Mary and Joseph were traveling to Joseph's hometown for the census, the Social etiquette would require that Joseph's family take them in. Hospitality was central in their culture. And to not take in your family members when they came into town was a huge social faux pas, or you better have darn good reason. So the fact that Joseph's family did not take them in, and instead they had to go out and sleep with the animals, is an indication, if we read between the lines, that they were shunning and shaming 
Mary and Joseph because Mary was pregnant out of wedlock. And even though Mm. she was due to give birth to Jesus and she was very, very pregnant, still they couldn't find any room in the sleeping quarters for her. They had to go sleep with the animals. And so Jesus's birth was not just ignominious. It was birthed in abject shame. And that's powerful to me. Man, I hadn't even thought about that. That's amazing. That's a really powerful Christmas thought. Yeah, I had never thought about it that way either, but it all adds up. So, so good. So, what about you? Well, you know, I have been reading this book by Dallas Willard called Life Without Lack. It's sort of a meditation on Psalm 23. It's actually a transcription of a class that he did at his church across, I think, eight weeks on Psalm 23. And it is wonderful. And the thing that caught me this week as I was reading this book has to do with what love is all about. And I'm always looking for a good definition of love because I grew up being told love is not a feeling, it's an action. And while I agree that love is not bounded by feelings, limited to feelings, I don't think it's an action either. That's just as simplistic and (laughs) strikes me as the same problem in a different direction. And so Willard offers this definition that I just thought was an interesting take on it. He said, love is an overall disposition to bring about good. Mm. The things that I think are interesting to me there are the idea of disposition. You know, a disposition is something that brings together my desires and my feelings and my thoughts. And it's a good word to try to wrap up all of who I am in one word. Mm -hmm. I have a disposition and then a disposition to do what? To bring about good. If I love you, I want to bring about good in your life. I just think that that's an interesting definition. I think it's a great one. Character is probably something else that is wrapped up in disposition. Mm. And I know that I can point to people that I that I know, that I have known, that have that general disposition. And you just instantly feel comfortable around them and safe, solid, secure. It's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Character is wrapped up in there. Uh, so that's it. And... Now, going from the heights of the inspiring to the depths of the banal, we are now ready for which Josh? And this week's question, which Josh, was which Josh was the only guy in his kindergarten class? And that is me, Josh from Oregon. Yes. And interestingly enough, my son Wesley as well. Really? Yeah. Yep. He was the only guy. But what do you remember about that experience? (laughs) Well, we went to a very, very small Christian school, and it grew over my years there. I went there from kindergarten through eighth grade. 
And so the school kind of grew over time. But when I first started there, I was the only boy in my class, not just kindergarten, but kindergarten, first grade, and then half of second grade. So I don't remember much. I remember a couple of girls because they ultimately went multiple grades with me. One of them, I remember, was very into twirling her dress. And so she just, every time she was like not doing something else, she was standing there spinning around and watching her dress fly in a big circle. And I don't know why, but that sticks with me. I don't even know what grade that was, probably kindergarten-ish. But I don't think I remember too much else. At that age, kids are kids. It doesn't really matter what gender they are. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, You and and Wesley will have to get together and compare notes on on that at some point, maybe when we go on vacation. (laughs) I'm sure. What 15-year-old doesn't want to have that conversation with his dad's best friend? Like... (laughs) You know, when you say it that way, it sounds weird. <laughs> but now it's going to happen. Absolutely. Sorry. I hope it does. <laughs> All right. Well, All are right. we on for next week? Absolutely. I can't wait. All right. I'll talk to you then. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.